John chapter 15. I just uh, realized I, I got a new pack of these glasses. I go through these things quicker than socks, it seems like. These reading glasses, I had like five pair of them here in the church building. I couldn't find any of them, so I just got a new pack of them. I, I was wondering why they were a little blurry. I just looked at them. They still have the stickers on them. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not going like, to try to peel them off in front of everybody, but I might be wrestling with those a little bit on there. I didn't know those came with stickers on the front. Okay, well, it's always an adventure, right? <laughs> Amen. Well, we've had a, we've had a developing uh, theme uh, this year, and uh, the theme is uh, be strong in the Lord, and what? And the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And I was reminded, uh, you know, because when we get into this passage initially, you might be thinking, what does that have to do with, with Resurrection Sunday? Well, I think we'll find out that it has everything to do with it. But, uh, you know, it, it also ties into our theme. And I was thinking of, of, of this, uh, this sentiment by one of the most powerful preachers ever. And he was expressing his heart, and he said this, that I may know him. And he's really, he's expressing a longing. He's, he's expressing an intense desire of his heart. He says that I may know him. He's speaking of Jesus Christ, the risen uh, Savior, the, res, the risen, alive Jesus Christ, that I may know him, and he says this, and the power of his resurrection. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And so really the resurrection goes right along uh, with our theme, and when you're thinking of power, being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, that would be a pretty pathetic theme if Jesus wasn't alive and powerful today, wouldn't it? And, uh, and so uh, we're going to pursue that notion a little bit, and uh, we're looking here in John uh, chapter 15, and before we go, get into the, the passage, let's just ask the Lord uh, to help us uh, during this time. Lord, I pray that you would open up these truths to us. I pray that you stir our hearts. I pray, Lord, that this might be uh, the greatest uh, resurrection message we've ever heard, Lord, uh, from you uh, to us, from your heart, to encourage us and help us today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It says here in John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the, what's the next word? I am the true vine. Now, that's a very interesting phrase. We'll come back to that. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Tremendous concepts. It says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in, abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. It's an alarming fact right there, isn't it? But in a way, it's a, it's a very encouraging fact uh, because of uh, what the, 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 uh, the true vine represents. It says in verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather, uh, gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And so it says at the beginning of the passage here, I am the true vine. Now ask yourself this question, why is he the true vine? He doesn't say he is a vine. He's one of the vines. It says he is the true vine. It qualifies that very specifically. And I believe that the reason why it says he is the true vine is because he is the living, abiding 
the, the greatest reality of an illustration for a vine uh, that there is. And, you know, the Bible is, is very uh, remarkable in its, in its illustrations, very helpful. And, uh, and so the description is vivid here, that of a, of a living vine. And uh, it says, uh, um, he is the true vine. He is the abiding vine. All other vines are vines that wither and pass away. And by the way, a, a withering vine or a plant that is just an annual plant, a plant that isn't going to last, it's an illustration of the human life. It's used a, a number of times um, in the Bible. Uh, just as something that, 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 that seems alive today, but it's not going to last. It's, it's just going to be very fleeting and very, very temporal. But that's not the case with the true vine. And uh, the, the, the thing of it is, as, as the passage lays out here, if we tap into the true vine, we are tapping into that which is the most vibrant and life-giving source that there is. But if we simply tap into any other vine, we're, going, or, or, we're only going to realize, we're only going to receive that which is fleeting. <laughs> fleeting satisfaction. Uh, that which can only momentarily fulfill. And so that's why the Bible says very, very clearly that Jesus is what kind of vine? He is the true vine. He is the true vine. And in verse 4, it says, this, this, this a statement here, it says, Abide what? Abide in me. I am the true vine. I am the vibrant, life-giving vine. And it says, you need to, you need to abide in me. And, uh, well, why is this a great invitation? Because, you know, the Bible is all about life. It's all about life. It's a great theme of the Word of God. And we, we sing today about, about serving a living Savior. And we talk here about Him being the true vine. And we put it in terms like the Bible does here, of encouraging us to abide in Him. Why? Because God wants to give us life, and He wants to give it to us how? Abundantly. Abundantly. And a lot of times we think about those concepts, and we think, oh, well, that's great, you know, God wants to give me a great life. But what exactly is that all about? I mean, what are the implications of that? What is he really offering us? And what he's really offering us, we can see a picture of here in this illustration of the true vine, the, the, the vine that has life coursing through it, that is vibrant, that is, that, that is fruit producing, and the fact that we can tap into that vine. We can be a branch that's grafted into that vine. We can, we can uh, uh, through it, have life coursing through us. The vine will give us life, and it will give us abundant life. And, uh, and so that's the picture that's being given here. And, you know, really we're living, as far as this world is concerned, we're living amidst the dead, and we're dying ourselves. And that's a pretty, you know, I mean, when you start out with, with the basic knowledge of what's going on here in this setting, it's pretty depressing. I mean... I guess if, if you were to look around today throughout the globe and even in our own nation, right, even in our own country right now, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of, uh, of, of fighting for power. There's a lot of jostling for authority, for control. And there's a lot of people that are acting like they're going to be here forever, right? I mean, if you look at uh, all the, uh, you know, the aspirations of people here on earth, you would think that they, they were going to be able to somehow get the answer just to be able to, to get everything that they want and live here forever. 
But are, are any of them going to be able to do that? Is anybody going to be able to pull that off? No. Every single one of them has an appointment with death, the Bible says. And they don't know if it's going to be today or tomorrow or the next day. And it may be 100 years from now, but it's a certain thing. And, you know, 100 years from now is nothing compared to eternity from now. And, uh, and so um, we, live, we live amongst the dying. That's the truth of the matter. I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to be morbid or depressing, but that is the case. And uh, if there was no answer beyond that, if there was no truth beyond that, it would be pretty depressing. It would be pretty futile. And I, kind of, I guess I'd play a game like, like uh, you know, a lot of other people do. Just be cutthroat and get as much as you can in the time that you have because that's it, right? But we know because of what the Bible teaches us that life is really meant to be uh, connected to our Creator. Now think about the concepts of, of the Creator. What was the Creator all about? The Creator was all about giving and sustaining life. Why? So as we could have a setting with the life that God has given us, God gave us the great gift of life so that we could have a life of relationships, of having a relationship with the life giver himself. And so think about that in relation to what, to what is being spoken here. He's the true vine, and we can abide in the vine. We are a created being, and not, not only just, you know, kind of plopped here just to exist, we are placed here to be able to connect it to that which makes us vibrant, alive, and productive. Now, isn't that what most people ultimately want? Don't they want to be vibrant, alive, and productive in life? Isn't that really what people are searching for? Well, see, the thing of it is, the Bible tells us how that's going to happen. And for us to think that that's going to happen apart from the life giver and the creator and the sustainer of life is utter folly. It's ridiculous. For the created being to feel like they can sustain life and, and have abundant life apart from the one that gave them life is absurd. But yet that's what most people try to do day by day. And that's the realm in which they live in. That's the, the, the worldview in which they function. And so, um, if we think about Jesus saying here that, uh, that he is the true vine, let's think of other statements in the book of John, because the book of John is really the book about Jesus. Uh, we have a class here on Sunday mornings uh, during the, the, uh, the, the Bible study hour, uh, 945, that goes through the book of John. And the book of John is all about learning who Jesus is. And one of the ways that Jesus uh, presents himself is just by saying, I am, and then using illustrations to, to point to, to what he is, to illustrate to us uh, and picture what he is. For example, in John chapter 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Now we see uh, in John 15 that he's the true vine. The true vine is all about giving and sustaining what? Life. Okay, and then in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth, believeth in me, and shall never die, believest thou this. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Now look, I'm happy that, that everybody's here this morning that, that is here. And, uh, and it is true that in, in, our, our, in our country, it's still somewhat of a, of a traditional thing to go to an Easter service. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that for, for anybody who would, in particular, you know, choose um, the Sunday. In fact, I would encourage people, if you're going to choose, 
I would, I would like for people to, to choose to go to, to learn about God uh, every week. But if you were to choose one day out of the week to go to learn about God, I would say Resurrection Sunday would be a great choice. You know, and I'm thankful for that. But do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And if you believe that, how is that impacting your life? Do you really believe that? Is it more than just a tradition for you to say, well, this is Easter in America, we kind of go to an Easter service? Or is it because you believe that Jesus is the giver and sustainer of life? Do you believe that the answers to a fulfilling life, to a light that's abundant, are really found in him? John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am, again, he says, I am the bread of what? Of life. Think about the illustrations that he gives. In, in all the illustrations that Jesus gives, I mean, it's so, it's so vivid there, it's so obvious that he is life. He is all about life. And uh, John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of, guess what? Of life. Some of you know that the passage, others could already, you know, determine what that was because of the pattern here. That Jesus, really, what he's saying in every one of these illustrations is, I am what? I am life. I am life. And that's the great theme of, of Resurrection Sunday. And uh, John 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You know what he's saying? He's saying, as the good shepherd, I give of myself so that you can have what? You can have life. You see, the, the, the shepherd, the good shepherd is all about life and, and, and the life um, of the sheep. And uh, here in John chapter 15, I am the true vine. And the, 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 the idea, to paraphrase it, is this. You have to be plugged into me if you are going to be full of life. If you're going to be full of life. If you're going to be sustained, if you're going to have a life that produces fruit, you have to be connected to the life giver himself. Jesus is life. And uh, there was no time that this was confirmed and cemented any more than when, when he came out of the tomb. I mean, did Jesus exist before that? Well, certainly. Did Jesus live 33 years here on this earth? That's historically verified. That's a fact. Is Jesus going to live forever now? Yes. And those are all great things. But listen to me this morning. Listen. Center to us and what impacts us the most of the fact that Jesus is life is the fact that he came out of that tomb on the third day after descending into hell, the epitome of death, and coming back out of physical death to be physically alive forever to be our mediator. The mediator of life for eternity. And that's the vine. That's the vine that we are supposed to abide in. And you know, there's, there's, there's great practical implications to that. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Uh, obviously, there is a positional aspect to this, the, the fact that we must abide in him. Romans chapter 11 uh, talks about, uh, by way of illustration, that we are grafted into a living tree. We're grafted in. And uh, some of you, you know, knowing about plants and, and working uh, with, with such things would, would know, I guess there is the concept of being, to, to being able to, to graft into one plant into another, a branch into another plant, and for that to draw life out of that plant. 
And, uh, and, and there's a wonderful illustration of what we have in Christ. We do not belong there of our own merits, right? We, we're not born with that right. It's not in itself a natural thing. But yet God miraculously make, gives us that offer and makes it possible for us to be grafted into the life giver, uh, Jesus Christ. And, uh, and he is the true vine. And we are the branches, as it explains here. And so um, we were like an uncultivated wild shoot, destined to wither with no lasting fruit, grafted into life when we choose to believe in Jesus. And we have no claims to the benefits of that except through Jesus Christ himself. So all the glory you know, goes to him. And uh, that's why you know the gospel is good news. Look, if... If somehow we had, to, we had to earn that ourselves and to find a way ourselves, we can never be grafted in. We can never be grafted in. That's not something that human beings can accomplish spiritually. But it's something that God uh, does provide for us and offers to us. But there's also a, a practical um, uh, application uh, to this here in John 15. And I want to spend a few minutes on that this morning because, you know, the truth of the resurrection is not meant just to be this... this you know, this neat religious concept and philosophy. Uh, you know, Christians, you know, their kind of thing, their thing is, you know, the Christmas story and Jesus was a good person and that he, he resurrected. That's kind of their thing. And then other religions have their thing and it's all, it's all good. You know, the, the resurrection impacts life like no other truth does. And... The fact that we have a vibrant, living vine, the true vine to abide in, that's a transformational truth. That's not supposed to just be religious terminology. It's not supposed to just be, you know, Bible stuff that we kind of look at and we say, well, that sounds kind of neat, but I don't know, you know, really what that means. It's supposed to be something that really we can apply in, in, a, in a very practical way in our lives. And so I want you to do this. I want you to visualize... I want you to visualize abiding in him. For one thing, to abide is something that it has the idea of being on an ongoing basis, right? It's not on again, off again. It's not meant to be that, you know, today I'm kind of with Jesus and that's great, but tomorrow I probably won't be and... From the, from the patterns in my life, you know, I can't really say that, that I would visualize it, that I've been abiding, that I've been abiding in Jesus. That I've, that I've, that I've found that place to be satisfactory. <laughs> that I've found that place to be unlike any other place I would want to be. That I've, I've found true sustenance there. That I haven't had... You know, wandering eyes and, 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 and a wandering disposition when it comes to abiding in Christ. Now, a lot of people who have tasted of Christ, they've liked what they've had in Christ, but they get distracted by other things. They don't really abide. I mean, positionally, maybe they've been grafted in, but practically speaking, they don't visualize the richness and the vitality and the abundant life that they have in Christ day by day. And when it comes down to it, what we're prone to do is chase after all kinds of other foolishness that ultimately just kills us. It's like being, it's like if, if, the, uh, you know, if the farmer 
or the agriculturalist. There's probably a better name for that. But they would take, uh, take a branch and they would go to this old dead tree that hasn't shown much signs of life for the last few seasons. Maybe it's barely alive, but half of its branches are dead. Maybe it looks like, I think this is probably going to be the last season this has any life to it. It has like one branch that's given like a little bit of leaves. You know, you seen that? And, okay, I'm going to choose a graft into that there. That'd be foolishness, right? That'd be futility. But that's kind of the way that a lot of people, even so-called, you know, uh, professing Christians that have tasted of Christ, have, have positionally been grafted into Christ, are choosing to visualize or, or to play out as reality in their daily lives. They're looking to, to plug in, to be grafted into something that can never really give them life. <laughs> it can never bring abundant life. Then ultimately it's just going to kill them. There's going to be nothing about vitality they're ever going to be able to take care of, out of that. Whatever it is they're choosing to abide in. And look, people are abiding in something. You're looking to abide in something. We're meant to abide in the true vine. That's what we're meant to, uh, to, to experience in our life. And as we visualize abiding in Him, full of vibrancy in life, what will that provide? Well, one of the things, and, and this initially is going to seem negative, but it's really not. It's really a wonderful thing of God's care. It'll provide, here in verse 2, we can see purging. It'll provide purging. It says there, in verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, what does it say? He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And so the idea is there that there, there's a pruning going on. The husbandman, the farmer, the vine dresser will tend to his own. The, the, the vine dresser really cares a, a, about that whole process. He, he is totally invested in it. That's what he does. That's what he, he loves to do. He loves to care for his own. And so what does the vine dresser do? Well, he sees us, the vine, the life giver, he sees us as branches, and he sees in those branches, you know, some deadness growing out. Some extra things that are going to hold back the, the, the vitality. Some things that need to be cut back a little bit. And sometimes, you know, you look, you look at, at like a fruit tree that's been pruned, and you're looking at that, and you're, you're thinking, man, that, I don't think anything can grow out of that. I mean, that's not very, that looks like it went through a really painful process there, and I wonder if that's even going to survive. And some, sometimes that's a little bit what it's like, you know, when the Father gets... But you know what the Father realizes? That it has to be less of us, less of the deadness of our flesh, and more of Jesus Christ. More of the life of that vine coming through. Getting rid of all that extra, that those things that stand in the way of Jesus coursing through us and bringing forth fruit. That's the picture. And, and so there, there is purging that goes on. And if you've been in that purging process, you, you know... You know what, what you know, you, you, you felt God doing that. And it's not pleasant at the time, always. The only thing that's pleasant about it is thinking, okay, you know, God's working in my life. <laughs> He's doing something here. He's teaching me less of me, more of Him. It's painful. It's hard to go through. I don't necessarily enjoy it. But, you know, I can understand that it's needful. That it's needful. Because I need Jesus. And I need for it to be all of Him. And none of me stand in the way of that. And so there's purging. Number two, 
Visualize abiding in Him. Visualize yourself being that branch that's meant to bring forth fruit. And in verse number, uh, uh, number three, we can see that it not only brings forth purging, but it produces a purity. Purity. Look at verse three there. It says, Now ye are, what's the next word? Clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You know, as you abide in Jesus, He will make you clean. Now look, you know, that's not, that's not a self-righteous thing. That's not a, you know, take the place of relationship. It's all about your relationship with Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus is the righteous one? Do you realize that Jesus is the holy one? Do you realize that in Jesus there is no impurity at all? And do you realize that when you abide in Jesus, He will purify you? He will make you more like Himself? He will bring about righteousness in your life? I know for some reason as Christians, we're afraid to talk about right actions anymore. Because we're afraid that somehow people are going to look at us and say, well, you know, they're just a self-righteous religious person. But you know, God knows our heart. And He knows what our motives are. And the fact of the matter is, if we can visualize ourselves abiding in Jesus, A, ultimately, what does it really matter what anybody else thinks? And then whatever they do think, may it be, hey, maybe there's something of the beauty of Jesus Christ coming through us in our attitude, in our deportment, in our way of life in our interactions. You know, that purging that goes on and that abiding in Him to bring us into the purity of a light that walks with Jesus Christ and, re and truly reflects Him. And uh, so if you abide in Him, you will produce that righteousness that is the beauty of Jesus Christ in your life. His resurrection power, the Bible says, will make you a new creation. That's what the Bible teaches. Behold, all things are become new. In Jesus Christ. And uh, man, he studied that out sometime. What does that mean? All things that become new? Man, that sounds pretty transformational right there. That sounds like it's not meant to just be, you know, just, uh, hey, maybe this will be true when I get to heaven someday. It sounds a lot like it's talking about abiding in Christ right now <laughs> and, and seeing uh, what comes from that. And uh, it's pretty exciting, really. Hey, look, abiding in Christ is the most exciting, exciting vibrant life that there is. And the devil just wants to throw cold water on that all the time and, and, and undermine that. Thirdly, it just visualize yourself, you know, as that branch that's in the vine. There's going to be some purging. And uh, God will work in your life to bring about uh, purity that reflects Him. Thirdly, and this is wonderful truth. This is really what it comes down to in a lot of ways. What is the purging and the purity for? It's for productivity. It's to make us more productive. Hey, we're still here on earth for a reason. Heaven's a better place. Would you agree with that from what you see in the Bible? I mean, why are we hanging around here still? <laughs> if we already have eternal life, you know, Jesus has taken care of that. He's the risen Savior. Wouldn't the power of His resurrection mean that as soon as I'm saved, boom, you know, I'm out of here. I'm fully experiencing that power blast off right now, man. I mean, if I were to choose, that would be the way. Because, you know, I could just bypass all this purging stuff. <laughs> I could bypass all this, you know, the, the, the pain of this broken world and, and some of the things I got to go through here. I could, just, I could just, you know, go beyond all that straight to heaven. But the thing of it is, is as we abide in Jesus, that gives purpose to our life here. 
Because we're supposed to have a productive life as Christians. You know why we don't have a productive life as, as Christians? It's simply this, because we're not abiding in Christ. That's what the passage teaches. If we abide in Him, we will bring forth fruit, the Bible says. We will bring forth fruit that abides. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. That's interesting. As the branch cannot, what? Bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. You know what that tells you there? Point blank. No way of getting around it. If we are not having productive Christian lives, it's simply because we are not abiding in the vine. That's it. That's what the Bible teaches. And it may give it in different per ter person, uh, uh, terminologies and different uh, passages, but it's going to be the same truth. The same truth. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. And so it's a powerful truth. And, uh, you know, there's something about us that we don't really like this idea. We don't like the idea that, you know, I can't get it done somehow, some way myself to have a productive life. But it's what life detached from Jesus ends up being. Look at verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And that's the picture there. Look, look. Hey, you know, at the end of, at the, end of uh, the, the season here, you know, we go around, we've got big old trees, they're pretty healthy trees still, but there's a lot of branches, branches that are falling off of that. And those branches, they're never going to, they might look like they're alive for a while. They might look like they've got leaves on them for a while, but they're not going to be worth anything. They're not going to, you know, continue to live. They're not going to be productive. So what do we do? Well, we just, we just get them all into a big pile, and we got a big pile of those right now on my plate. They're getting ready. You know, one day we're just going to touch a match to them. And that's not saying, you know, that, 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 that people are worthless. Because if we were worthless, God would have never had that whole concept about us being plugged into the vine. Obviously, you know, God sees you as being worthy of his vision in that regard. I mean, you're worthy because of his vision in that regard. But the fact of the matter is that the illustration shows us. Look, it shows us that if we're not abiding in Christ, the illustration is we're just kind of like this detached branch that's just, you know, kicking around the property. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. That's what it says. And, and, and you say that's discouraging. No, it's encouraging. It's encouraging us that there is, there is a, there's a recourse for us. We can be grafted into Christ. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you know, you can get that positionally. I already read to you, it's about believing in Him, the resurrected Savior. He wants to get you into that life. It's being called born again. <laughs> That's a good term right there. <laughs> being born again. And uh, it's called getting, getting eternal life through Jesus. But then practically speaking, you know, what does that mean? To, to, to do. Well, it's meant to, to be effective in our lives, to make us productive here on earth, to make us so that we're bringing forth fruit as we abide in Him. And, you know, think of a, uh, you know, a nice, a nice uh, juicy piece of fruit. Now, I know, hey, look, if you just ate a Snickers bar, probably the fruit ain't going to really do a whole lot for you, okay? But uh, if you wait, you know, get off, get off of other sugars for, you know, a couple of days, and then you come to a nice piece of fruit, it's pretty good. You can see there's some substance to that. And there's some nutrients to that. But you know, 
We tend to just, because we just go to the store and buy the fruit, um, we don't tend to appreciate the process that it has to go through. We rarely, we rarely really visualize the process that's involved there. There's a process through which fruit is produced, right? You see, here's the, here's the illustration. We're interested in the fruit, but we're not often all that interested in the process that it takes to really bring forth fruit. You understand what I'm saying? There's an abiding that has to take place. There, there's, there's some longevity that brings forth fruit. There's a season that has to take place in order for, for that productivity to take place. And the fact of the matter, we're just not really that patient when it comes to abiding in Christ. We're thinking, i got to go make some fruit happen on my own. <laughs> and uh, i got to get this done some other way. This doesn't really seem to be working for me. This doesn't feel all that great. But you know, the Bible tells us that the only way that we're going to have an abundant life that produces the type of fruit that God wants us to produce is by abiding in the vine. It's abiding. And, uh, and so the Spirit of Christ flowing through us will produce the fruit of His, His Spirit. And you can find that taught in many different ways in the, in the Bible. One of the ways that it's taught is in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Now let me just read them through some terms here, and let me challenge you with this today. Look at this as a litmus test as it, it, that'll, that'll kind of, it'll qualify whether you are abiding in the vine or not. Your heart right now towards this message really would tell you a lot whether you're abiding in the vine or not. These are truths right from God's Word. This is the key of life right from God's Word. And the truth of God's word is going to put it right out there to you and, 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 and it's going to ask you that question, are you abiding in the vine? And if you're not, are you interested in doing that? And then only you can respond to that. The messenger gives the message. God's word puts out the mirror. And then you have to determine where, where it's going to go from there. You have to be the one that says, yes, Jesus is the vine. Am I choosing to gladly willfully, joyously abide in Him today. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And so the fruit of the Spirit produces a giving spirit in you, of you, a servant's heart, one who looks at the people around them and has their best interests at heart. Love does not seek its own. Love is not self-centered. Love is not easily offended, the Bible says. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It does not behave itself unseemly. And the fruit of the Spirit, look, if, if, if you are not growing in that grace, then you're not abiding in the vine. If you today aren't a more biblically loving person than you were five years ago, there has been something that's, that's been gone wrong as far as you abiding in the vine goes. That's what the Bible teaches. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. You see, as we abide in Jesus, if we abide in the vine, it's going to produce joy in our life. Are you experiencing joy in your life? 
can you, do you know in your heart that that's because you're abiding in Jesus Christ? Are you abiding in Christ right now with this moment before His Word? Are you joyful to hear this message? <laughs> Are you joyful to hear the potential of being more abundant in your life because of Jesus Christ? Or do you battle that truth? Do you resist that truth? Do you detach yourself, practically speaking, from the vine, even as you face His Word? The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace. Are you becoming a more peaceful person in your heart, or are you becoming less peaceful? Are you experiencing the peace that only abiding in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, can provide? Look, Christian, if, if you are no more like Jesus Christ or less like Jesus Christ than you were one, five, or ten years ago, it's not because Jesus Christ has failed you. It's not because the vine is bad. It's because you're not abiding in the vine. That's what the Bible teaches. And that will produce love. It will produce joy. It will produce, produce peace. It will produce long-suffering. Now, I know that some of us need to abide more in the vine because there's times when I, you know, I, hey, look, I'm just alert to the fact, and, 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 and you can be discerning of the fact as a, as a, as a human being, as, as, as you're just functioning, and as you're observant, that sometimes there, there's not a whole lot of long-suffering going on. There's not a lot of forbearance. There's not a lot of, hey, look, you know, um, I'm going to give that person a break. I know, I know that they're going through a hard time. I know, I know that they may not... See things exactly like I do. You know, I, I, I may not choose to you know, be their best friend. But you know, because I'm abiding in Christ, I'm abiding in Him, that's going to look like something in my life as I interact with other people. That's going to look like Jesus. That's going to look like what the life of the vine provides for me. And there's joy and there's, there's love and there's peace and there's long-suffering and there's gentleness. There's goodness. Just Goodness. Saying, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the type of person that wants to be a blessing to others. Hey, look, there may not be a whole opportunity for you to, to, to fix the whole world, but I, I can guarantee you there's plenty of opportunity for you just to, be good, just to be good to people. Would you agree with that? Just to be good to people. There's plenty of opportunity. There's ample opportunity for you to abide in Christ and think about what Jesus was like with other people. He was good to people. He was good to people. They were going through all kinds of stuff. He was just good to them. Now, he, didn't, he didn't always approve what they were doing. He didn't always, you know, say, hey, you know, that's great. Keep up the good work. Sometimes he said to them, you want to go in a different direction. <laughs> That'd be the best help for you right now. But you know what? He was good to them. Would you agree with that? He was good to them. He was good to them. Hey, look, when we abide in Jesus, what's that going to look like? Christian, Quit making excuses for what you're like because you're not abiding in Jesus. <laughs> Quit making excuses for that. Because ultimately, all you're doing is blaming God like He hasn't given you the resources for you to have the life that you could have as you abide in Him. And I know in some ways this is a tough message, but it's a great message. It's a great message. You know why? Because He's the true vine. He's the true vine. And, uh, and, and, and He helps us. And He gives us you know, meekness and temperance. And in, in, in Galatians chapter 5, it goes on to say this. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. You know what that means? 
They allow God to prune those things, those affections and lusts that are going to keep them from producing Christ-likeness. And then it says this, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know what that's another way of saying? That's another way of saying abide in Christ. And look, there's no competition between the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. They are utterly on the same page. And so if it says walk in the Spirit, you know what else it could say there? Abide in Christ. It's the same concept. And, uh, and so um, let's come back to the passage we started with. Let's come back to the passage we started with as we, as we conclude. Paul said in Philippians 3, let's just turn there. Philippians 3. In Philippians 3, uh, 7, he says, you know, the things that I used to think were so important, you know, I'd, I, I, I'm, I'd gladly let all those go now. I count those all for loss if I could gain one thing, and that is Christ. And he says in verse 9, and be found in him. You know what that means? That, that means abiding in him. And my, my greatest goal in life, of all the achievement I could say that I would want to accomplish, my greatest thought for life is to abide in him, to be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, to be pruned from that, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now it says this, that I may, what's the next two words? Know him. Because you may have been thinking this whole time, what is it really? I mean, I'm trying to get my, wrap my head around and really think of this concept of abiding in Christ. Well, Paul puts it another way that could be helpful to us here. Get to know him. Get to know him. That I may know him. You know what a lot of abiding in Christ is going to be? Learning about him, walking with him, getting to know his character, getting his heart, getting his vision for people, getting his mindset when he was here on earth and, and, and when he died for us and when he resurrected and went to prepare a place for us. Learning about him, abiding in him, just basking in his company. That I may know him, and through knowing him, I might experience the power of his resurrection. Look, we, wanna, we want the power of the resurrection. I mean, we, we love that idea. Yeah, man, I want the power! <laughs> but do we want to abide in Christ? Do we realize that really the heart of that, and the real beauty of that, and the preciousness of that is really found in just knowing him? Just knowing him. That I may know him. And uh, know Him as your Savior. Look, if, if you're here today and you're, you're, you're celebrating Easter, let's just finish strongly here. If you're celebrating Easter, but you've never accepted Jesus, you've never come to know Him as your Savior, that is one of the most tragic things that I could think of. You know that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost? And all of us, like sheep, have gone astray and have gone everyone to his own ways. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And uh, it's all about life. Jesus wants to give you life. He wants you to turn in repentance from your own self-sufficiency of trying to deal with things yourself and overcome your sin problem yourself. Turn in repentance to Him and accept the gift of forgiveness for your sin and eternal life. And uh, there's only one There's only one. Other recourse, and that's trying to pay for you for yourself, and you never you'll never be able to. 
and you'll be separated from God in a place called hell forever. And that is a terrible truth, but that is the truth. So to know him as Savior, but then, you know, we've taught to Christians today, know him as your sustainer. Know him as your sustainer. Christian, could you purpose today, could you decide today in a fresh way to practically abide in Christ? Is there anything that you could think of that would be better than that? Is there maybe something that you've been accepting as a cheap substitute to that? Is there something you've been fighting in your heart that is keeping you from abiding in Christ and getting the power, the life, and the vitality, and the productivity that can only come from that? That's the challenge for today. And, uh, well, really, it's about the resurrection of Jesus, isn't it? He is life. He is life. He has come to give you life and that you might have it abundantly all through your life, all of your days here on earth, and to just keep going. You know, like, Eli, like, uh, like Enoch did, right? Walking with God, just kind of keep walking one day. <laughs> a lot of people fear death, you know, but it really it is just like Enoch for us as Christians. We're just going to walk through that door, just keep going with him. I'm not going to go back to, you know, thank you, Lord. I didn't have to go back to all that stuff today. Today I just kind of kept going with you. And that's what, uh, what death ends up being for the Christian, really, um, in this abundant life that the resurrected Savior has given us. Let's pray. Let's stand together uh, this morning as we conclude.